Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is a pre recorded program presented by KSL News Radio and Intermountain Healthcare. Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare. We discuss the important community issues of stronger mental health, emotional wellness, and the growing problem of addiction. Here's our host, Maria Chaleos, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM. Thank you for joining me for Healthy Mind Matters today. With me, Travis Bear. He is a licensed clinical social worker with Family Services, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and Benet Larson, who is the program director for the National Alliance on Mental Illness here in Utah. We are talking about the 2020 Faith Leaders Summit and the role of the summit in preventing suicides in our community. Travis, start out, and let's talk about why it is an important role and what role faith leaders do play in preventing suicides. The faith leader is uniquely positioned to help in the ministry of healing. And so people go to their faith leader for certainly spiritual healing, but also for other pain and suffering in their personal lives. And so we recognize that that there is a mixture of faith leaders uh, in our communities, some who have training and and many who don't have training in uh, mental health issues or social emotional issues. Um, I have run on a helpline for faith leaders uh, for a number of years, and I can't tell you how many calls I've had from a faith leader who's who has shared. I'm just a dentist, a farmer, um, a school teacher, um, so I'm out of my league with with these issues. And so, uh, as a, a clinician, I. I can consult with them and give them some some direction to help them through that issue. But this is an op, uh, really a great opportunity where we can share with a large uh, number of individuals, and as Benet has shared before, how we can expand that audience to help these leaders with some tools that gives them confidence to ask questions and to not be afraid to ask those questions. I've had many leaders express a fear that just asking Are you considering suicide or have you considered suicide? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? That that they have this fear that asking them that question will plant the idea in their mind. So we're able to help dispel myths and misconceptions around having these dialogues. And we're also able to help break down the stigma. And so just sharing some basic information about uh, these things it really just strengthens the leader's confidence so that they do ask and they can ask and they, they are asking these hard questions. We had Re- Representative Steve Ellison share an experience in our first session where he is, as a faith leader, recognized some signs that, that led him to ask that question. And he said, had he not had this training, he wouldn't have asked the question. He wouldn't have even really noticed the signs there that, that were there that suggested that this woman was in serious trouble. And, and so I find that really just this information just strengthens that confidence because these leaders are uniquely positioned to reach out, to ask questions and help minister and heal and also help connect 
their congregants to the resources like Benet has been sharing, whether it's to NAMI or to counseling or other resources that, uh, that can help uh, those who are in need. Travis, you bring up a really important point because some of the signs can be pretty subtle for people who aren't trained to really look for them. And maybe, Benet, you could describe some of those for our listeners. You know, often one of the key things is anything that's out of the ordinary for an individual, but also, you know, talking about wanting to harm themselves, talking about not wanting to be around anymore, giving away prized possessions, doing things that are out of the normal for this individual, maybe focusing on death. Um, There are also some situational things that can be happening in a person's life. They may not in the past have had any issues with um, mental illness. They may have um, a job loss or financial insecurity. If it's a youth or um, a teenager, sometimes it's a relationship breakup or being kicked out of school or having their freedom taken away, whether it's their cell phone or their car, fear of punishment. There are so many different situational cues that can come about with someone who may be thinking about suicide. And having just the knowledge to be looking for those signs in someone who who may be already struggling with with other things going on. And right now, during COVID, we're all experiencing some of those things. And so we all might be at a little bit of a heightened risk. And so being aware of some signs that might indicate that they're, they're thinking a little bit darker than they normally would be. Right. Travis, this is really a community issue, and we can't just rely on our faith leaders to really be able to mitigate, solve all of our problems. How are you hoping that faith leaders can reach out to their communities and make even a larger difference? You know, that is something that's very important to us. And we feel very passionate about uh, working together as a community and why we wanted to engage faith leaders. And so I know in in my faith, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, our leaders, our senior leaders are very committed to working together in our community, uh, that it's not just you know business or education or other places around the community or mental health systems. Uh, we all need to work together, and and so our leaders are very committed to uh, to working together, joining together in this effort um, to help prevent suicide and to help in a ministry uh, of. One of our former keynote speakers called it a ministry of uh, suffering, and and so we recognize that there's just there's not just one part of our community that really uh, can uh, bear the burden or or really make a difference by themselves. We really need to work together, and and um, and that's something that I think bringing the faith community together I think has been a a signal to our community. Uh, how much we really do need to join together and, and that we really are partnering in this effort. And, and I, Benet and I have watched really over the years, and even, uh, again, Kathy Cipiano commented on her observation with her work up at the U and Caring Connections, what a difference it's made over these last few years in just opening the dialogue uh, within faith communities and and how that's helped the community at large. And so it really is a joint effort. So then that leads me to ask, uh, Benet, 
since we are opening the dialogue, how are we doing in reducing stigma that surrounds mental illness and suicidal ideation? I'd like to think that we have made a a difference. Um, I'd love to share in the, the, the first year we did the Faith Summit, it was three years ago, Sister Alberto from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, she came and she attended and I spoke with her. And um, and then, you know, in the next year, she gave a, t- a conference talk from the pulpit talking about her own experience with suicide. I think that that trickle-down effect where you have key leaders um, talking from the pulpit about suicide and about mental illness makes it okay for the rest of us to talk about it. It decreases the stigma. Um, I know that it having these conversations has had opportunities where myself, I, I myself have gone to, to churches, Catholic churches, LDS churches, and done QPR trainings, which is a basic suicide prevention training um, in a faith setting, sometimes on a Sunday um, or during the week, and it changes the conversation, it makes it okay to talk about suicide. It's not a sin. It's not a bad thing. It's something that is part of our 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 daily life. Our you know people struggle, and that struggle is real, and we need to talk about it. And it's okay to talk about it. I think that's so encouraging. Before we take a break, I want to let people know anyone who needs to have a conversation who is thinking about suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available twenty four hours a day, just a place to talk to someone. And that number one eight hundred two seven three talk or one eight hundred. And we'll be right back on Healthy Mind Matters. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. <laughs> 